Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at uh1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Force Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, the mid-rim, the core rims, and yes, those dastardly outer rims, this is Force Center, and we're going to react to Solo, a Star Wars story. I'm Cat Napsuck, you know that, but more importantly, do you know Joseph Scrimshaw and Jennifer Landa? I bet you do. Hey, Joseph. Hey, Jennifer. Oh, happy to be here flying through all of the rims with both of you. I love <laughs> flying through the rims of space, Jennifer. Yes, I am doing my Lando signal there. Kind yes. of similar to Tally's. Um, a yeah. little bit. Yeah. yeah. A little yeah. bit. A lot of two-finger saluting in Star Wars these days. <laughs> That's it's right. Two-finger salute era of Star Wars. <laughs> it's the hashtag two-finger salute.
salute. Guys, we are here to dive into Solo, a Star Wars story. It's a review. It's a breakdown. It's a discussion. It's probably a little bit of a, a lesson. Take some notes. We, we, You know how we do it here in Force Center. We go so deep into this stuff because we always love peeling back the layers and making you see colors that you might not have seen. <laughs> yeah, describing like a Star Wars acid trip is what's going <laughs> to yeah. happen. It'd be great. <laughs> Here we are, though. Uh, so excited to get into this. I know a lot of you guys out there listening have been waiting for us to dive into it. But hey, you know, we, 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 we have to go see the movie a couple times to take it in before we do that. But let's talk about seeing the movie, the actual f- literal act of seeing the movie. Joseph, I- I'm going to start with you because... Uh, I, I I got to see it with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, uh, just about right next to each other. Yeah, so <laughs> I got to go to that uh, press screening on Monday night at ArcLight. That was really fun for me because uh, we I wouldn't didn't know exactly what to expect, and we got to sit in the seats where I always sit You're at right. ArcLight, like down to the number where I buy them on purpose. So That's it was great, a really fun experience. I wasn't sure if the uh, audience was going to be a little bit more muted, and I'm mm-hmm. used to cheering and laughing, and it was so great uh, because uh, yourself and the other yeah. person that we were with, yeah. We're totally into cheering and laughing and clapping, and <laughs> yeah. it was just such a great, visceral, thrilling experience. And I haven't come home from a movie like that hyped up like yeah. a little kid. Like I need to dance around because th- that's the way this movie makes me feel. You know, there. Yeah, it was. You're right. Uh, we were sitting there in the back row, which, by the way, that's where I love sitting too. Not necessarily. I I usually go to the closer to the aisle so I can um, stretch my knee a little bit. Yeah. But you and I are are back. Uh, aisle warriors there but yeah there was a point where particularly you and we saw with with grace um committed to being very vocal even though the rest of the theater at least the section around us wasn't yeah and i really enjoyed that oh you guys were like no we're clapping yeah we're clapping we're clapping screamed i pumped my fists uh for vat weirdo whose real name we (laughs) we will discuss uh and then also after the darth maul moment Mm -hmm. i sensed that maybe you and I would uh, meet eyes. Yes. And I looked over at you and we did a little Dang. nod like, yeah, 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 that's the way it's supposed to be. <laughs> and I was so happy to see this was your first uh, viewing. I, I obviously had a chance to go before, but when I saw it before at the premiere and the VAT weirdo scene, and I'm going to struggle to ever say his real <laughs> name, when he gets up there and gives the big old boo 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 I my first thought was Joseph Scripture is going to be the happiest person <laughs> in the world. It was exactly <laughs> what I wanted. Gift wrapped. <laughs> Gift wrapped. And uh, Jennifer Landa saw, well, the same night, but we didn't uh, get to check. You, you were 3D'd. I you were 3D'd downstairs. I was 3D'd, and I was not too thrilled about that because I don't like 3D. However, yeah. it was fine. It yeah. was fine. And the and it was just exciting to be a part of this crowd. And they were a pretty good crowd. I did feel like I was a little bit <laughs> more excited <Yeah>. about certain <laughs> things, literally pumping my fists. Yeah. Um, but it was such a fun experience. And it, what's fascinating is that each time I've watched it, I've enjoyed it. I don't want to say even more, but it's right. like, I just love this film. Yeah. yeah. I just, I want to get it at home so I can put it on in the background <laughs> and just. Oh, it's going to be a great background movie. And, right? and, and that's that's not a bad thing. That could be, you know, oh, you just don't, you don't want to sit down. And no, it, the movie where you're like, I'm going to cook my dinner yeah. and maybe mop my kitchen floor. And, and <laughs> Solo's going to be playing in the background. And I can just turn around and smile when I want to par- watch parts of it. Yeah. It's comfort. And did you see it again, Jen, dressed as Lando? I or, did. Yeah. I did dress up as Lando, and it was uh, I was the only person there dressed up, with the exception well. of a guy dressed up as Krennic. 
And what? so, yeah, so I was like sitting there in my Lando outfit. I'm like, well, this is a little awkward, you know, <laughs> really stuck out. And then this guy walks in in front of me with his long cape, as like literally did this dramatic, like, whoosh, where he sat okay. down. So I was going to make the joke that that guy was there for a cape party, but he was there for a cape party. He's like, I heard this was a cape movie. He was, yeah, he was all in. And I was like, all right, sir, props to you for that. And you gave him the Lando salute from across the room. I there. did. Wow. Ah, love it. Yeah, you great Lando design. I saw you post that. It looks, it looks, it looks Beautiful. wonderful. Joseph and I didn't dress up. We ah. just wore our hearts on our sleeves. That's right. <laughs> That's all that matters. A programming note, uh, this episode is all about Solo and the Solo movie. And if you haven't seen it and you've listened this far, hmm, that was an interesting choice you made. Go out and see the movie. Come back to us after that. We're going <laughs> to dig into it. But programming note, uh, our main show, which is normally released Tuesday, is going to be released on Wednesday. And that's where we're going to dive into some of the other stuff, like the Boba Fett movie news. Still unconfirmed, not official. Uh, we'll see what happens with that. Maybe by then it will be. We'll dive into some of the box office stuff. What does that all mean? This is really us digging into the movie. So strap on in and buckle up, baby. We're going to look <laughs> at Solo. And I also want to remind you that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. A little bit later in the show, we will have our Force Center recommendation of which audiobook we think you should try first. So, without further ado, let's dive into the second of the Star Wars standalone films, the anthology films. These are the ones outside the saga. We've been wondering, will this work? How will they pull this stuff off? Did we want this solo story? Did we need it? Big questions that have been floating around the internet. Well, the answers came, and let's dive on in with our first overall look at it, team. The major likes. We like being positive here, Joseph. Yes. Let's be positive. Yeah, yeah. And we'll we'll talk about some qualms. We'll talk yep. about some uh, things that uh, I'm sure other people are, are still making up their mind, whether they like or not. But my biggest thing in my long list of likes is... This was just exactly what I expected and what I wanted. And I, okay. again, I understand it might not be what pe- other people expected or wanted, so I'm just speaking for me, but yeah. it's exactly what I wanted, particularly in the way it is structured and the way it feels, because it is a fast-paced, pulpy adventure that really harkens back to the absolute roots of Star Wars. It is fast ships and big weird aliens, and there is a problem around every corner, and every problem is different from the problem mm-hmm. before it. It's a personal problem, or a monster's trying to eat your ship, but your ship is also <laughs> going to explode because the thing you're trying to steal, and the thing you're trying to steal is actually a representative of your need for freedom, and it's just like, it's it's such a like page-turner, like yeah. uh, that great, great pulpy feel, and just the weirdness of it is yeah. the main thing that made me feel like a kid. Absolutely. Uh, I said to you off air, and I'll say it here, if this movie had come out when I was 12 years old, I'd see it 50 times, right? Mm-hmm. I'm probably going to still see it 50 times. Let's be honest. But, yeah. like, you, I, that represents that base level, like, I smiled all the way through this movie. Does it, Again, does it mean I don't have problems? Does it mean... Uh, no, we're going to dive into that, obviously. But I think all of us here choose to watch Star Wars in a in a... In a Let's see what they've come up with and how it connects to the story we love type of way. Other people watch it a little different, and, and that's fair. Uh, but uh, yeah, just to, what you're describing right now, this page-turner atmosphere. Yeah. The, the adventure starts and it goes. Yeah, adventure serials, cliffhangers, all the things that Star Wars was built on, mm-hmm. I feel like are really fully represented here in a way that they haven't been in the other 
fully been in the other Disney Star Wars movies. Mm. I like that mm. take there, Jennifer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me, for the first time, I actually identified with Han Solo. I was really huh. surprised by that. Where I, I, And that was a testament to Alden Ehrenreich's performance. Mm-hmm. I thought that he was phenomenal. I was a little hesitant going in. I mm-hmm. certainly was not sure, judging from the trailers and the teasers that we had seen. But I thought he did such a beautiful job balancing bringing his own take to this role, but also incorporating Harrison Ford's mannerisms mm. as Han Solo in the subtlest ways where it never felt like an impression. It mm. always felt like he was being true and acting in the moment. And he really, uh, you know, as opposed to Harrison Ford, who was a fantastic actor, mm-hmm. there were moments where I was like, wow, Alden Ehrenreich is such a good actor when he, mm-hmm. in a, a Cornet spaceport. When uh, mm. Kira gets taken away and he's screaming, <gasps> I wanted to cry. Yeah. I really felt his emotion. Yeah. He is such a good actor. He is a great actor. And I really think we should start there in terms of major likes, Joseph. And, and, and you, I know, even after the viewing, you said there's some things that Alden was doing that was almost more solo than Harrison had done. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get murdered or oh, anything. So I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take that. No, no. I mean, I feel like Harrison Ford obviously did an amazing job. He kind of invented this yeah. sort of anti-hero who you can see the flaws and the stumbles in their in their brave, bold plan and all that. But mm-hmm. I feel like Alden's perspective is a real actorly actor, and I think that's what Harrison Ford had has become yeah. over the years. But just exactly what you're saying, his level of acting chops, like that Kira moment. But for me, some of the big feels of this movie are those soulful, deep looks mm-hmm. on his face the first time he is getting close to his dreams. Like Ugh. when when he's finally away from the Empire, he's with his team of thieves and they're flying into over Vandor mm-hmm. and he's staring at it like, you, you know, he's probably seen plenty of planets with the Empire, but still with the boot of the Empire with somebody mm-hmm. controlling him. And this is the first time he's even close to what he wants and just that soulful look in his eyes and. There's that one shot that's a profile when he's first flying in the Falcon. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yes. it's just a, like, that's amazing actor. You only got one eye to give us that much soul. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, he was Mr. Soul with one eye. Yeah. You can just feel that this is what I want. This is the freedom. This is the escape. This is what it's like to not have a boot on my neck. Mm. And mm-hmm. we'll talk more about that in the themes. But I feel like that's such a big part of what this movie is, is that yearning for freedom. Yeah, and I feel like he captures that without going into Luke Skywalker yearning for freedom territory. Right, right. It still feels like Han. Mm-hmm. I want to be an outlaw. I want to go, you know, gamble and and do dangerous things. But it still has that almost childlike sense of wonder. Ch- yeah, absolutely. And this and that's you're definitely going to bring it up later. But it connects to something else. I think even in Force Awakens, it connects to a lot of things. Yeah, and to see. The, the Han that we meet in New Hope, obviously, is 10 years or so after this. He is world-weary. He has traveled around. A lot more has happened, things that I think we all want to hear about now. And so it makes sense, and it's easy just to say, well, yeah, it's younger, naive solo, which it is. That's, yeah. that's the point. But Alden played it so well, and, and the, I keep saying the 40-year-plus, whatever it is, life of Han Solo that we as a fandom now can watch starts here. The core of it starts here. Here and there's so many things they address, and Alden, I absolutely think, killed it. I yeah. mean, 
not just, I mean, the Vic, there's victories in little moments, hands on the hips, the turn, the, the turn he did. There's one turn he does at the end of the movie, Jennifer, where I'm like, that's Empire Han. Mm. He got yeah. it. Yeah. That big look on his face when he's returning the coaxium, once we, the audience, oh, know it's real, that's God. such a Harrison Ford, that's such a yeah. Han Solo. Like, nobody else is looking, and he's like, yo, geez, I'm going to kill myself, you know? <laughs> Guy, that's so difficult to do because you have to be so present. And I mean, yeah. he obviously has like threaded this where he's able to like have these reactions, these Harrison Ford reactions naturally. How do you do that? I yeah. can't. <laughs> We've been watching these films for all these years and I still mm-hmm. can't do that. You there, know? there was there was little movements of his cheeks that were. <laughs> yeah. Return of the Jedi, Harrison Ford. You know, like, yes, yeah. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, a lot of it there. The like. contrast with the Harrison Ford, one of the things I really liked and I feel like propels the, the energy of the film is his relentless optimism. Like, mm-hmm. when we meet Han in New Hope, he's a little worn down. He's still the cocky, like, I don't know, I'll do something unpredictable and I'll figure it out. Right. But he's much more like, ah, I don't know if I want to do that. Ah, this mm-hmm. is a bad situation to be in. And I love how Alden still has that. But he's younger, so just like every situation is like, I can do that. Mm-hmm. Oh, well, I can play that instrument. I can fly that ship. I can do that impossible thing. And that just relentless optimism is fun. Still a dreamer. Hasn't failed enough. <laughs> yeah. By New Hope, he's probably failed and lost some friends more along the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I, like, I like that starting port. Starting point. Yeah. And port. For <laughs> starting port <laughs> to fly out of there. So that's the big one is I think the, a lot of the movie, if you buy into this movie, it, it all starts with Alden. I think, you know, that's the big de- debate going in. That's the big risk going in. Uh, I, I think Alden delivered. Uh, other performances were great as well. I, I, I love Donald Glover does stand out to me. It's still I think it's a small sample size. Right. Uh, and, and Jen, you, you dressed as Lando. I don't know what you feel yeah, about yes. that. We'll, we'll dive into a little bit more. But I think it, it, Lando was a major like for me. So I bring it up here. But I think Alden, it's not a contest, but Alden had more to work with, I thought. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, other big likes, Joseph. Big sequences, uh, parts, yeah. dialogues. Well, I like that it was character focused, that it was yeah. not the stakes of the galaxy. And I feel like that that has definitely been a big part of the discussion for people, whether they like or dislike it, that what like what are the stakes? It feels small. And hmm. to me, that's always been the point of the Star Wars stories, of we can tell stories that are character focused. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I feel like uh, I can see the point of there being repetition in Star Wars, and there there is some repetition here, but at the same time, we've never seen a movie that is about one character, and almost every other character serves this character's journey and is a reflection of him in some way. And even though it, the the stakes for the whole galaxy aren't there, mm. I love that in a, in a way they are, because this is the first film where we truly get to see, Rogue One hints at it, but this is the first film where we get to see the Empire is everywhere yeah even if you're not dealing with them directly the just the gloom the choice of the cinematography is just the empire it's always there and then also the spark of rebellion and to just see this movie where it's not literally is han going to save the galaxy or not but every little thing that every person does is impacted by this battle between the empire and the slow bubbling rise of the rebellion Mm -hmm. i love it this look i Dan and Dave might do an old Republic series of movies. Uh, I I, I want to see things in Ryan Johnson's unexplored. I, I want all that. But I keep keep, keep saying, the 19 years bef- between Revenge of the Sith and A New Hope are some of the most interesting storytelling t- opportunities for me. Yeah. Because this is the battle of the Empire versus the Rebels, right? We grew up with that. Well, this is the percolating uh, war that's about to come on different levels. Infant's Nest is one of the... I love the character of in- Infant's Nest. Yeah. Amazing. It represents so much and so many different possibilities. But but it's, so it's not... 
the rebellion that we know and that we see form in Star Wars Rebels and some of the other material, but it's all over the galaxy. Yeah. Uh, Wobani, Jetta, and the stuff we see got going on Corellia, which we always kind of thought was this, you know, I think still could be this big, wealthy shipbuilding planet. The Empire has moved in, and yep. it's not a good thing, and it's all through this movie. So. Yeah. Big, big like for me as well. Yeah. yeah, and I think that that's what people have been asking for. Show us the state of the galaxy. Here we get to see the state of the galaxy. And I, I don't understand the criticism that there weren't any stakes. For me, this is a fun heist movie. You want them to pull off the heist. <laughs> Those are the stakes, right? <laughs> yeah. And so I, I really I really liked that. Um, mm. And I did like also seeing the state of the galaxy, going back to that, and seeing all these alien species. We always talk about that. Yes. Seeing a Rodian, seen a Tognath, seen mm. Moroff. I think he's a J- Jigoran, whatever. Anyways, or no, it's not Moroff. It's Senna. Yeah. That, uh, yeah. yeah. Creature. As you might be able to tell, Jennifer got the official guy. <laughs> I've been studying you guys. I'm not, I'm, I've been studying. That's so great. the point is, is that being able to see these species and and um, and getting to see more of them and how they relate to the Empire and how the Empire has ravaged their home worlds and how they would eventually later on join the rebellion, join Sagarera's militia. Yeah, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's such a great way to connect the dots. Yeah, the the can- cantina that we meet Han and Chewie in, right? Yeah. That has the flavor in this movie as well. It's yeah. the same kind of gal. It definitely matches up. You it know, it adds I mean? to like yeah. the, the the first thing I was saying about not only the pacing and the structure yeah. of this movie, but like the look of it is inventive, mm-hmm. but also at the same time, it just feels like old school Star Wars visually because of all those different species. Right. Yeah, it very much felt like a, a George Lucas film. I mean, because of like this, you know, the fast flying and the speed racing and kind of this, you know, romance between Kara and Han. Yeah. Um, obviously, that's because of Lawrence Kasdan. Uh, well, definitely, John yeah. Kasdan. Uh, yeah. But yeah, I thought that it was it was a nice marriage between like old classic Star Wars and John Kasdan, who is this uber Star Wars fan. Yeah. And knows so much about canon. And, and grew up in there where I read a little interview with him. Or I think it was his own post where he's like, he didn't see the originals in theater because he was too young. Right. So he's from that generation of fans, which special editions might have been your first viewing in the theater. And so I'm fascinated by that because that's why a lot of the 90s Star Wars ties are there. Right. And you got Lawrence Gasden who's like, I just wrote the movie. That I don't watch it. <laughs> but he and George and Joseph, you talked about on your Star Wars counseling this past week. It's like the question, do we need this movie? Like, well, I don't know. You could say that about any movie. But number one, George Lucas felt at one point we needed this movie. So Yeah. I mean, I think that's a big part of the beating heart of this and why some people might connect to it, uh, as you say, Ken. I think that's such a great way to describe it. Might connect to it or might not connect to it. Yeah. I think this is the brainchild of people who love those original movies and like mm. they're they're not asking themselves, do we need this? They're just like, Castle Run, that'd be fun. Let's do it. Yeah. Hey. Hey. <laughs> and off they go. Yeah. And off they do it there. Uh one of the major likes for me is how it looked, how it was shot. Bradford Young deserves a lot of credit. Uh finally saw a little interview uh this week popped up on, on some of the things, a little featurette. I mean, it it it's might be my favorite looking Star Wars film. And yeah. Last Jedi has some beautiful shots, poster-worthy shots in it. Rogue One's got the dark, grimy look. And, yeah. and, and Force Awakens is actually... Force Awakens is one of my little things with Force Awakens. Is it almost was too clean for me at times, right. if that made sense. Um, the, you know, the, the first scene with Lor Sintek and Kylo, it seems it's on a soundstage, and it seemed like it was on a soundstage to me. This one, Joseph, Bradford Young, the way they shot it, the way it looked, yeah. I don't care who was directing it, at what point it yeah. just looked 
like a new wonderful galaxy. Yeah, the lighting. Yeah, there's so much about this that feels like Ron Howard would just shepherd it along the way of like, hey, you got a great script, got a great uh, cinematographer, director of photography. Uh, I'm just going to make sure everybody stands and says things correctly. Like, I, I don't mean to diminish him. He's a great no, I yeah. think, actor's director, but it just seems like there's such collaboration. And the set design, I think, is really both super Star Wars-y traditional mm-hmm. and making bold new steps like that lodge being all wood. Mm-hmm. Oh, I want yeah. to live in that lodge. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah that, that's the most wood we've seen outside of your beloved uh, uh, Endor and Kashyyyk, Jennifer. <laughs> like, it's a ton of wood. And then that uh, the whole, the yacht, the mm. space yacht oh, in like that yacht. design is so beautiful. Yeah. I, I, I love the, the sequences, the action sequences. I, going into this train heist was the thing I was looking forward yeah. to, right? Yeah. And it delivered. It delivered. But oddly enough, it ended up kind of... Like I was like, great setup. I'm glad this is early. I want to see what's going on here. So it's weird that this thing that I was looking forward to so much and it delivered. I'm like, all right, great. What else you got? And the and the Kessel Run oh my God. exceeded my expectations. And you guys know I don't like my big space creatures. Give me, <laughs> give me. But th- that worked out so well for me. Yeah, the that. dweller in yeah. the maelstrom, whatever <laughs> yeah. the actual character's name is. For now, it's so the dweller funny. in the maelstrom. Dweller von Maelstorm, I think. Yeah. Uh, Go, go ahead. No, 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 no. Just uh, uh, reminiscing about uh, that eyeball shot there. Uh, yeah. It's go a good eyeball, shot. good eyeball now, shot. I wanted to talk, because we're kind of dancing around it, I think one of the huge things about this, Ooh. and I'm curious if it's a major leg for you guys, the fact that the movie's pretty accessible, because you can just get in, like, oh, this it's this guy's adventure. Mm-hmm. But then at the same time, it is the most connected to continuity. It is the most, uh, I mean this in a positive way, it is the most pandering. Mm-hmm. Yep. It's, in fact, the first thing I said to Ken after yeah. the credits were over. I leaned over and said, I, I feel pandered to in the <laughs> best way humanly possible. Uh, obviously, there are just endless uh, yeah. references. Uh, some of the classic George Lucas rhyming poetry that, again, some people like, some people don't. But right. I, I enjoyed all of it. Did you Were you guys happy that it was so connected to everything? I love it. We heard mentions of Bosque. Or a sing. I mean, it just was like the, the Pikes. It, it went on and on and on to where if you're an average moviegoer like my mom, mm-hmm. she's not going to get it. Which is, oh, okay, that's interesting, you know. But for the rest of us, us yeah. hardcore fans, we're like, oh, God, I love how this is all connecting. And it, to me, it makes it such a great film that I can I can refer it to anyone yeah. who wants to just go see a fun film. Yeah, that is a, in my opinion, a great a great Star Wars film. I am, yeah, I I think it's a it's a victory, uh, Joseph, because I I think it was the Aura Singh reference. Yeah. And I went like, oh, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, Beckett killed Aura Singh. And, and so, such oh. great pitter-patter laughter. You're, you're the man who killed Aura Singh. Yeah. I pushed her. I think it was the fall that killed her. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. And I think if you uh, aren't familiar with Aura Singh, you're just going, oh, cool, Beckett killed. And that's how those connections should work. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they're deep if you know them. And if not, they make perfect sense. You're not like, what the hell are you talking about? I'm lost. Right. Exactly. Pikes was an example. You know, it's like, oh, great, cool. We got that. We're mentioning these criminal organizations. Organizations and yeah. yes, it's it's ingrained in Star Wars. Terrascasi, uh, yeah, you know, a lot of so great. A lot of people love that. I didn't play that game, so I was like, oh yeah, that's a thing. That's right. I kind of remember that. <laughs> it's a right. terrible game, and that's why I love it. <laughs> I I was so excited to buy it, and it's yeah, not it's cool. not not a great game. It's cool. it's sad Mortal Kombat. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I think a lot of that is from John Kasdan. I think even the story group said he'd come to us with the references. We were like, what? How <laughs> did she get that going there? The big connection, though, and we're going to dive into it later on. 
on. But I, I do like the mall thing, and I think that's a that's a like for me. I'm putting that in the like column. We're, cool. we, need, we need its own special discussion. Yes. But I like how But I'm, I'm pro-mall as well. You pro-mall, pro Jennifer? Pro-mall. Pro yeah. Mm-hmm. Can I talk about just a few of the specific callbacks that I think were, were yes, interesting to me yes, or, yes. or references? Uh, I, I want to know if this is on purpose. I saw in the credits that the uh, character who's in charge of the droid fights, mm-hmm. who's played by Clint Howard, right? Yes. Ron's brother, is Rala Keeley. Which has a relationship, Whoa. obviously, to Malakili, the Rancor yes. Keeper. Interesting. Like, oh, the, that guy's in charge of beasts. Malakili's in charge of beasts. And Malakili is <laughs> in charge of droid fights. Droids. I thought that was great uh, and hilarious. Jennifer's going to thumb through that uh, dictionary there. Yeah, see if we can get, that's, uh, that's a great poll. Yeah. Because Malakili's like one word, so maybe his family, maybe it's a family thing. And uh, <laughs> Who knows? Or you know? just, I don't know if that one was just like, oh, we're running out of syllables. Yeah. Ways to put uh, vowels and consonants together. <laughs> It's like if your brother, if you're Joseph and your brother was like Mosev or something like Bosef, that. Mosev, yeah, 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 whatever. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> my single favorite, favorite just ridiculous deep cut is when uh, Dryden Voss uh, offers the fish in the climax to uh, Han and Kira. Mm-hmm. He's like, Colo Clawfish. And again, it's one of those things that can just be like, oh, that sounds like a fancy delicacy. Yeah. But that is the fish in Phantom Menace that bites the bongo. And, and you told me that. I didn't know that. I know the names. Mm. You don't want to see it in front of me. Yeah. You're better. I've always said you were so good with species names. And you told me that. And I was like, yeah, how did I? Wow. It's the years of wow. uh, going through that databank for databank brawl. <laughs> but then it's also like that's the that's the uh, fish that gets eaten yeah. by the Sando Aqua Monster that yeah. makes uh, Qui-Gon say there's always a bigger fish. Which and this is like Ooh. desperate, bizarre, not reaching, but just my. this is the way my mind works. I feel like there's always a bigger fish. Everybody <laughs> serves somebody is a theme of this movie. So like even that dumb reference like led my mind to like more connections between the Star Wars world. I think that's that's there though. I think that's the kind of stuff that's layered in some of this, these these movies. So yeah, absolutely. Colo clawfish. Colo clawfish, and then uh, L three becoming part of the Falcon was that uh, something that you guys were happy with? Yes. Yeah, I yeah. knew it was coming. S- even before the film came out, somebody somebody said it. They're like, "Oh, I know what's going to happen. She's going to become part of the ship because of her navigation system." I was like, "God dang it!" Someone just guessed, or someone, someone told just you? guessed. Oh, I I I didn't. Yeah, okay, that makes perfect sense. Yeah, yeah. If you read the last shot, uh, she does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially because she like does the whole spare parts thing and yeah. modifications and blah blah blah. And so makes sense. But I mean, it it started to. Having read the last Jedi novelization, and Jason Fry was obviously aware of this and kind of put a, and he posted, a, I think someone put the excerpt on what R2 is, R2 is describing the three droid brains and the Falcon and everything. And so as the movie, it I, once it happened, once when she died, I was like, ah, that's going to be good. And then so the other day I watched Empire, mm. where 3PO is like talking to the navigational like little part of L3. It's Yeah, it's, and it talks about uh, the, the weird attitude from the, the <laughs> ship, right? Yeah. Yeah, that that to me was really powerful. Like, I wow. think it works in the movie with Lando's relationship with yeah. L three, and maybe we can talk more about that. Mm-hmm. But the fact that it ties to that specific idea from Empire, I think, in an interesting and elegant way, it made me like it more. So, in watching Empire, just kind of training for this, this trivia stuff coming up, like I, I went, ah, it has, it's got some, it's got some depth. They did a good job connecting. I, I like it overall. L three is not one of my favorite characters. It, I, Ooh. yeah, not what she's second viewing. I, I liked her a little less. She, Phoebe Waller Bridge did great. Not taking away into that, but I, I think, uh, and I love what she meant to Lando and what that means for Lando going forward. But yeah, overall, I, I there's some things. I mean, we're talking. 
I'm, if I'm going to rank characters, I'd rank it lower, but it doesn't mean I don't like the characters. Okay, well, we'll get to the, yeah. the qualms of the dislikes. Qualms, dislikes yeah. that. The but, other the other one I wanted to bring up, because yeah. there's this endless list, but I haven't heard anybody talking about this yet, and I was so curious if you guys are okay with the uh, most meta fourth wall breaking moment that I think we have in Star Wars, which is that that Imperial ad that Han sees oh, is playing that. the Imperial theme. I love it, but it's a, it's a slight variation. It's almost like in a major key. Yeah. So mm-hmm. that it has a more positive yeah, yeah, like you are serving your galaxy instead yeah. of we are horribly evil and coming to crush you. Yeah, right, exactly. I loved it. Yeah, I'm fine with it in this. I in the sense of I like Star Wars being a little silly at times. Like yeah. it's mm. it's okay to poke a little fun at Star Wars uh, at itself. Yeah, and that was kind of one of the things. It was just a fun like you could see it in a line at Disneyland. Yeah, you know? mm. and I, I did like it. I yeah, did like it. I the, the major the key is such a great point. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just something different. Uh, there's a lot more to like about this movie. We could spend two hours talking about what we like. We could spend a lot of time talking about what we don't like. We could uh, discuss it, dig in. But I do want to know, uh, starting with your guys' uh, opinions, on what are some, some of the things that didn't sit with you as well. Jennifer's making oh, notes and a face. You guys, I don't even I don't even know if I have the strength to dive in. We're here for you. We're here to support oh, you. Oh, no. I just am so conflicted. I really mm. liked what Emphis Nest represented it we mm-hmm. well, we guessed that she was going to be a female character i was very excited when she took off the mask and she was aaron kellyman mm-hmm. great looking character however for me the physicality and her actual performance i did not feel matched up with the emphasis that we see earlier in the film oh okay so you feel like the misdirection of big evil you know big monstrous voice evil mm-hmm. badass and then it did not have. I just immediately thought of Gwendolyn Christie and how great she is, still being elegant, sophisticated, and yet there is a layer of toughness mm-hmm. to her. She's allowed to. Sh- she's able to show vulnerability, but there's mm-hmm. a layer of toughness that she has where you would not want to mess with her. And I think that for this character, for me to have worked, Emphis Nest is a is a huge threat, right? She's mm-hmm. supposed to be scary, and we see her go up against uh, Beckett. And so for me, when I see this this young girl and her voice is is higher pitched mm-hmm. and her build is different than what we see earlier in the mm. film, I just was it made me disappointed because I wanted this moment to be so good. And I did pump my fists, but I just felt like it just was lacking that extra layer of toughness. And I would have liked it if maybe they'd even cast somebody older. She mm-hmm. talks about her mother. Mm-hmm. I would have loved it if they casted an an older woman. Like I immediately mm. go to uh, Mad Max Fury Road and like the women that they encountered, those older group of mm, women, yeah. someone like that. Hmm. I, I don't know. It didn't work for no, me. No, I, I I understand what you're saying because I think it's the I, the second time around you're seeing it, so you're aware. I had I had that kind of thought. I don't know if it's the same performer. Obviously, it might be a stunt performer. Everything in those sequences, but it's a, the the infant's nest in the beginnings different than the emphasis nest in, in, in the final act there. And I, I really do love this character. I know you do too. I know what it represents. Yeah. Uh, yes. And, and, and walking past Aaron Kelly, Kellyman, mm-hmm. that's her last name, uh, who, who's great. Yeah. Uh, she, she's very small. She's very small. She looks like as it. a performer, as, as a, as a real human, she's small. Yeah, so right. I was like, okay, so that made me think on the train heist. It, it definitely was something different. <laughs> right. um, so I understand what you're saying there. I don't think you're the only one to, to pick up on that. Yeah. It's nitpicky. Yeah. It's nitpicky. Uh, no, I, I think it's, I think it's a good thing to examine. It would have helped me if in that final twist or not final close to final twist, uh, that she had, 
done some real kick-ass moves yep. without the helmet on, so you could have connected to mm. yep. her super proficient, super cool fight with Beckett on yes. the conveyx mm-hmm. if she had done those kind of super cool moves uh, on Saverine, right? Thank you. Uh, yeah. I think, to me, her youth is important because I uh, think yeah. that is what they are reacting to when she takes the mask off. Mm-hmm. I mm-hmm. think if you mm-hmm. get in... You know, it's, it's something completely different if it's an older woman because then they're like shock and they're like... They're all our, our heroes are all so certain that they're going to see just some gnarled, nasty, maybe Trandosian under there or yeah. something that like signifies as, you know, a marauder, a killer. And instead to just see this young person, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. I think it's what really stops them in their tracks, mm. especially since we'll talk about this more. There are uh, everyone in this movie is an orphan, mm. yeah. you know, in some ways. So they see somebody who clearly looks orphaned. I think that's powerful, but I, I totally agree with you that I wish that they had connected her physicality. Right. Yeah. Or even more of like a, a more maternal looking figure under the helmet mm-hmm. where people tend to oh, underestimate yeah. like, you know, mothers, older women. Mm-hmm. And, you know, like you'd be like, whoa, she pulled out those moves on that train heist. <laughs> I think mm-hmm. that it could have had also an interesting impact and also would make sense about the fact that she is the leader of the the cloud riders and why they would like respect her. Right. Um, I don't know. Mm. I could I, I, I definitely see your point. I, I, I also agree with Joseph a little bit on the, I, I love the idea that it was like this young new face of the galaxy in a way. Yeah. Uh, and probably her mother had been fighting this kind of weird oppression for a long time. Cause clearly when, when, my, when my mother wore the mask is one of the most interesting, intriguing statements of this. Tip of the iceberg right. storytelling there where and you're then, like, <clears throat> what, what's the rest of that? Yeah. And then right. she's got what I would, believe would be her daughter at this point i don't know there's a oh, young, yeah, younger child she's holding so it's right. clearly i'm interested in what's going on there but i also like what you're saying here jennifer with it's like it would have been something to play with as well this mother-like figure which which again she might still technically even be a mother she's yeah. got this young girl but uh i i did like this choice of of uh, pull the mask off and huh for yeah. my first thought was that's not is that saying a star roast and then i got lost in this <laughs> canon thing and so i liked it the second time around it had more impact for yeah me. i thought it was maybe going to be beckett and val's daughter I, a lot of people actually thought that coming out yeah. of the theater, like still kind of thought it was. Yeah. Like, yeah, but I'm glad it wasn't. I'm glad it was this uh, other story. Yeah. Uh, so Joseph, uh, we got Jennifer's uh, big gripe, uh, you know, uh, it's not even that big. Yeah. Nah. Is it, yeah. is it the big one or do you have more? Oh, I, I got more, but you go got, ahead. Okay. Yeah, well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's the same. Uh, I, I will uh, cr- uh, describe this as a question. Mm-hmm. I am still thinking through Kira's, character and what it means for for the overall uh, representation of women in mm-hmm. this movie. Yep, there it is. Uh, I've heard people discussing representation. I'm anxious to hear more because I haven't fully heard. I've heard people say I have concerns. I haven't fully heard them. For mm-hmm. me, my reaction was uh, the, the movie's already uh, a little bit uh, hobbled as a representation vehicle because mm-hmm. this is ultimately Han's movie mm-hmm. and everyone is there to refract, reflect and refract on Han. Right. So you're already got a challenge in front of you. And then with the exception of Anfis Nest, all of the women uh, either die or sacrifice themselves. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that that can be challenging. Like, I think L3 is a powerful character mm-hmm. and fresh. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think Amelia Clark did a great acting job. Yes. I, I really love her acting. I think she is soulful, and I think she plays all of these notes. Um, but ultimately, uh, there's so much going on with her. I'm not... I would have been happy without the undefined sexual romantic part of her relationship with Dryden Voss. Mm. Mm. I feel like the important parts of her relationship is um, this idea that 
she sees the world as it really is her great uh, theme statement about it's not about winning it's about staying in the game and uh, ultimately her like she has that hope that Han does at a young age but she's always more pragmatic and she stays pragmatic of there's no rebellion there's no hope there's no escape there's just staying alive Hmm. and that's a really interesting thing to say and I think that would have been stronger if that was her only relationship with Dryden Voss with Maul and with Crimson Dawn and not the like is the terrible thing she's talking about is it violence is it you know murder is it being merciless or is there also like the is she with Dryden Voss and is it in this growth I just kind of feel like it where we are culturally right now if you're going to even imply Mm -hmm. a gross sexual relationship to clarify it or remove it right right. I think is Mm. is the main way uh that I that I felt um Mm. Jennifer, you you reacted to this? Yeah, I felt like she just wasn't really clear who she was and what she wanted. She was ultimately defined by the male characters. In fact, the male characters were constantly talking about what she wanted. Mm. <laughs> you know, and Woody Harrelson, Beckett's like, yeah, she's a survivor. I'm like, I would have liked to see Kira articulate that and mm. and have a moment in even in the Lando's closet scene where she is talking about these terrible things I want for her to state even more why she is a survivor or why why she mm. ultimately makes that turn at the end you don't have to tip the hat mm-hmm. too early yeah but to me I felt like towards the end I was like oh I, I don't know like why did she why did she mm-hmm. do that it, at the end yeah I mean I get it yeah. I understand, and she seemed uncertain. We see that on her face, but it just it seemed a little bit of a disconnect for me. I didn't wasn't sure if she was like playing him the whole time. If she decided in that moment, yeah, it, it was play. It was played weird. It, it was it was. I, I mean, again, I get all the beats. She still probably loves Han on some level. The, right. the smile scene is great, and. And did she, was she always going to take on, take out Dryden Voss? Because there seems to be some kind of like weird hesitation, but Maul's very much kind of cool. You're on the, you're on the team. We're going to be working closer. Meaning to me, like, I thought you're probably better than Dryden anyways. Right. And, and yeah, I came out of the, the first view and someone had asked me like, oh, how did Millie Clark do? And then I was like, I, I think good. <laughs> And I think it wasn't necessarily Amelia Clark. She no. made some choices that maybe other actors or wouldn't have made, but I couldn't, I was like, I, I wasn't sure. And I think as the character at times felt, felt plot devicey or muted to me. Yep. Uh, because some, like, I wasn't sure. Again, I actually like the quote unquote predictability of the swerves at the end. Mm-hmm. I don't think that the, 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 the actual turns aren't the point. The point is what they do to Han or how does Han get out ahead of them, right? So I'm fine with Walter Donovan telling Indiana Jones, don't trust me. And then <laughs> oh, you, you, I told you not to trust me. Peter Baelish does that too as well. I, I'm okay with that. But I thought hers was, it just, it all kind of was un, undefined. It's a great way, Joseph, for a lot of the things about this. Yeah, character. I mean, I right. think that she could have just, uh, I like the cape closet because you see that moment of l- liking nice things and thinking like, what would it be like to have this and to be out of the boot of somebody. But I, I think, I think her story, the more, the more defined it becomes to me. Um, it's, uh, I like it, but I am very aware of where it sits within representation because you get the sense that she has never managed that she's had a lot of hope and it has always gotten crushed Crushed. that she was in. What was it? The silo Mm -hmm. that she was already in a truly awful place and then got uh, taken up by a lady 
Proxima. And then she got that sad line to Han of like, how did you get out? I didn't. And then she changes the subject. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so I think what's happening with her at the end is that she has had all of the hope smashed out of her. Mm-hmm. She sees it in Han. She likes it in Han, but she doesn't believe that right. she can have this freedom that he can, that she is willing to take those risks because she believes, like she says, everybody serves somebody and yeah. you can't escape that. And I think everything that she does at the end is for Han, is a is a sacrifice that she is making for Han. Mm. Because I think if you, if I follow all the twists correctly, it is all about whether or not the big bad, Maul, is aware of who Han is. Right. Mm-hmm. That's why she kills Dryden. Maybe she wants control and right. maybe she wants to be higher up in the food chain, but it doesn't seem like she cares about that. It feels like she's just stuck in Crimson Dawn. Right. She kills Voss because Voss knows who Han is. It right. connects right back to the earlier part when Beckett tries to tell Han to just leave because yeah, Crimson Don doesn't know who he is. And Han's like, I don't care. She kills, So she kills Voss. And then she isn't running off with Han because then she can tell Maul herself this made-up story. Right. Yeah. And the entire point of that story is to hide Han from Maul. And that even connects to when she's talking with, when he's like, I, I'm an outlaw. I can mm. take care of myself. Mm. And she's got this institutional Star Wars knowledge that we have, like, no, you can't. He's a Sith Lord. He's going <laughs> he's, he's gonna to cut you in half seven yeah. times, and there's mm. no amount of your charm or your dangerous, mm. unpredictable moves. I know the truth of the galaxy. And that, that, that scene in the elevator, too, where, mm. where she says, you know, I know I don't know everything, but I know a little bit more than you. Yeah. She's, like, hiding Han from the truth, and it makes the movie more interesting it makes the character more interesting but in terms of representation it still ultimately means that she is saying i can never leave and in fact i will move myself even closer to the horrible evil truth of the galaxy so han can have a chance at happiness that's so good and i don't know if she just i don't i didn't see that from her performance i don't know if maybe we could have gotten just a moment where she's staring at that door and we get that on her face. I think all nerd was so good at showing all of his thoughts on his face. I feel like Amelia Clark was a little bit more ambiguous in that sense. I, I for me, hearing hearing what you're saying is 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 there, Joseph. It's it's to me it's in the story. I right. I I might have a little bit more of a problem with just her as a performer. I, I really do. As, uh, Daenerys is a great character, and she kills it as Daenerys. But I just, and that's not necessarily on her. I think uh, uh, it could have been because she seemed to have the most problem vocally with the director change, like in, oh. in the sense that she loved front. And she was like, he sat with me and explained my problems because I was like, oh, good, we're redoing a lot of things. Oh wow! So sometimes you get that can get lost, you know. The director's got to keep the the through line of everyone on the same page, right? You know? Yeah. So I I think if I'm being honest with myself, I think uh, the stuff is there in the story, and I'm going to be interested to watch that uh, a third time to see uh, what you're saying, Joseph, how it plays it out. Because I that you're absolutely, I didn't really even think of it in those terms. Yeah. Yeah. Because she's doing some stuff to hide Han because she knows, like you just said, she knows the truth of the galaxy. And I think people are seeing it as just an evil turn that she's always served Maul, and I don't yeah. think it's no. that at all because no. it definitely doesn't play like that no yeah when she puts that ring in she's like here we go she's yeah. falling on her sword and i think that look is there when she's flying the yacht away and she is looking at han and chewy it's a good in the coaxium on yeah. alone there on the beach and yeah okay. I, 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 i'll stop saying we'll get into this later but uh, <laughs> i think an important thing too is that she says that line to to han when she is telling him to leave a little bit early, she's just going to steal the jewels and she'll be right behind him. Yeah. And the door closing, mirroring that, that's all great. But she says, 
Chewie needs you and yeah. you need him. And in Han's ears, she's hearing right now to get away from Beckett. Um, right, 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 but, right, uh, right, right. but what's really, uh, mm. sorry, my phone went off. Siri so heard me uh, talking about Star Wars and decided to want it in the conversation. L3 is in your phone. Yeah, L3 is in my phone. But I, I think it's very important that she is saying that because she is basically saying, mm. you know, you think you need me. You need Chewie. He's yeah. the real love interest of this movie is Chewie. Yeah. Go to him. And Han is hearing that as a practical right now in the next five minutes. And she's saying it in the big picture. Right. Mm. She, I mean, she and she says a lot of the big picture stuff. I think the the what I was talking about, the core of Han Solo comes from her when yes. she's like, no, you're a good guy. And he's, no, Absolutely. No. I think that is one of the most important things for the character of Han Solo with the entire Star Wars saga. That is his his blueprint for the next movies and books and everything. And yeah. We see it in the last shot. We see it in Force uh, Force Awakens. Up up to the moment he dies, he's trying to play that balance. Am I a good guy? Am I a smuggler on the run? One of them's what I always dreamed about. One is the harder thing to do. It's all there, and it comes from her. So I think the, the character himself, I, I, I do like what I understand, definitely understand what you both are saying. Yeah. Know? It didn't hit on some levels. Yeah, and there's just lots of questions, and, and yeah. I'm interested to hear more people. Uh, did you yeah. have any other thoughts about the representation? With women yeah. in the film? Yeah. I mean, no, just overall, I think that, uh, you know, and I love the film. But yeah, yeah. like, I feel like the some of the female characters were underwritten, like Val, mm-hmm. you know. she And why did she have to be a love interest? Because it doesn't really pay off later on when, when she gets killed. I mean, Beckett has a moment where he's, like, bummed, and then he basically, mm. move on, okay. You know. So I just... And I said this in my video review. I would have liked it if they had given Tandy Newton, put her as Dryden Voss. I think it would have given her more to do. She's a fantastic actress. I think mm. it would have been something fresh and different as opposed to Paul Bettany, who I love, and I thought that he did a great performance. But I just felt like when you have someone like Tandy Newton, mm-hmm. g- give, give, her, give her an arc, give her something juicy. And instead mm-hmm. she was kind of relegated to this smaller character that... You know. do, do you think a lot of that is 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 because of her as a performer? People just... It's like seeing Jeffrey writing something and he's got two lines and you're like, I want him more and more in Casino <laughs> Real. But you, do you think that that has a lot to do with it versus the character of Val? No, I think that the character of Val was just pretty, I don't want to say one noted, but it kind of was. Yeah, it no, was, it was. It was just like attitude. You know, she's yeah. part of the crew. And for me, like any, and a lot of actresses can play that mm-hmm. no problem, you mm-hmm. know, if you just want that toughness. Yeah, yeah. Um, but when you have someone as great as, as Tandy Newton, then I start thinking of other things and then I Probably. get even more upset that she didn't have something a right, bigger right, arc. right. Yeah. You're yeah. De- you're de- I, I hear that a lot. That's why I'm trying to get, get it explained a little bit more for, for, for the world that I hear. Um, it seems to be this battle of Val. Like I'm, I'm okay with the character. Val. I think you're right. It, it is a plot point character. Yeah. And she dies. And I actually like that everyone dies early. It's part of what the, the Han story would need. Like going back to your point, Joseph, a lot of this serves Han, but because we have this wonderful performer, you're like, oh, that, that's all we got. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's it. All right. All yeah. right. You know, I think L3 is great. Uh, yes. but, but again, also then, you know, di- dies. Yeah, yeah. And gets, yeah. Uh, to me, one of the best acting moments from Donald Glover, because I think he is yes. playing a, this super funny, super charming, super trying to ignore mm-hmm. the problems of the galaxy, but mm-hmm. then so believably deeply wounded by L3. We t- uh, the last shot covers it. He goes on to be a droid manufacturer. Yes. To rebuild droids and bring life to droids. I mean, yeah, in honor of, of yeah. L3. Yeah. yeah, it's there. So what were any of you, your major concerns? Um, I, I really, I did have a lot around uh, Kira as well, and just it, it didn't, uh, it felt flatter to the others. others. But you're adding some 
honestly live on air here. You're adding okay. some other thoughts into that. Um, I did feel, like I said, some of the switch, the 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 the, the tw- twists and turns were quote predictable, and I liked that. But the movie as a whole, I I had so much fun with, and I still have so much fun with. But I understand some people saying when they use the word, say it was safe, right? Hmm. Um, that's not always a bad thing. Safe, 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 safe isn't a bad thing. Uh, it's about the characters and what this, how this places in with the rest of, of the saga. There was some surface level feeling to the movie that I would have liked a little bit more, but that does also mean it's not coming. I'll focus on the life debt, right? We think this big, we're going to have this big moment where Chewie goes, I now have a Misa have the life play with you. <laughs> we didn't get that. And I don't want that to be, I don't need that there. And they did have a, the, 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 the moment with Chewie running back to Han is deep and it's deeper than people give it credit. For. It's huge. Yes. It's a yeah. huge moment we can talk about, but I felt sometimes I'm like, okay, we're just, we're just gliding around the galaxy. And I've heard that critique and that's the one that sticks with the most sometimes you hear some things and you're like ah no i didn't take that away from it someone told me that after my first viewing and i was like "Ah, you're kind of right and every so i want to see again and again again what what is that because there's some deep stuff there i've been fighting with people offline (laughs) friends of mine going there is deep stuff in this movie you're not seeing it yeah but the story first act second act third act and the third act to me the action you know, it was weird. The, the action, it was bigger in the first, second, and then moved down a sliding scale to a character drama. Personal. It's all yeah, personal, to a personal level. Yeah, not big and, battle. And, I, and I'm okay with that. I just, I, I still, um, I, maybe it's because Rogue One, that third act, takes me home, uh, puts me on the playground again. By the end of this one, I was like, okay, oh, oh, I would have liked one more big sequence. Does that, so mm-hmm. I don't know if that makes sense. So some, when I say it, it, it slides around wonderfully on the surface, um, I would have my wouldn't have minded a little more time to dig into some of the bigger stuff with Han and Chewie. I don't know. I don't know. I'm I'm because I also loved loved this movie. Yeah, like I literally smile uh, every time. I, I understand. I just understand that criticism of uh, you know it. It's three acts and you're out. I don't mm. know. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I feel like that's a big part of the the legitimate question of do we want standalone Star Wars movies? Because I think this is the point. And maybe mm-hmm, mm-hmm. people don't want that of um, we got the big saga films that tell these deep stories. And these are the like little slice of life. This is mm-hmm. one guy in his journey and his adventure to become the character that we know. Yeah. And it could be that if there's, you know, a movie with a new character or a movie with Ahsoka Tano, that's right. a fresh, a really fresh face to the big screen that these slice of life movies will be more exciting. More exciting. But I think this is a, a genuine question of Solo is do people want a here's just here's a fun little adventure in this corner of the galaxy for the big screen. Yeah. And, and you're right, yeah, because maybe because there's so much weight on it being solo, yeah, on solo, yeah, there could be some of that where I feel that where I'm like, ah, oh, you know, Chewie does Chewie ever sit down at one point? And here's the thing, he still might. This movie, it, I don't want to say it leaves the door open to a sequel. It I certainly does. I think it does. Oh, yeah. But uh, big I don't think nec- super intentional. I mean, intentional enough, but like I don't think you know. We'll, we'll talk about that later. But you know what I mean? So that still comes. So even when I criticize that, like, hey, does Han know what Chewie did? Does Han understand that? That still might come. That literal moment might come. I think he understands it right now. Yeah. He's still young 20-year-old Han. He might figure it out as it goes on. Yeah. Um, but I was like, ah, oh, is that in, in the movie? And uh, my big, big dislike, actually, okay. is is Lady Proxima. <gasps> oh. Wow. Yeah, I can't. I cringe every time. Really? <laughs> Oh, in fact, I, what's the opposite of cringe? Yeah, uh, my, my soul opens so, and glows yeah. inside. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, no, just uh, the second, and you know, the second time I watched it, I remember looking around the theater like, are people going to get up? Like, I just wanted to yell, stay, stay, everything gets better. No. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it uh, the, the character? Vo- it's the voice. Linda Hunt, oh. uh, who's a venerable performer. Yeah. Uh, give me some, give me some subtitles there. I don't want to. Oh, you, you know what? Okay. Yeah, I, I yeah. Can see that. This is, yeah. You, you brought it up to me after the yeah. first, uh, my first viewing, and then I saw it two more times, and I love it. And yeah. I, I think this is one of those things uh, where uh, you and I were talking about this off air, where you, you have discussions about movies, and somebody's like, I, I don't like it, or I do like it, and they list all the reasons, and like. Yeah. Yes, I totally agree with all of those observations. Right. I like those things and yeah, you yeah. dislike those things. She's a big weird, uh, uh, our friend Matt Keeg said, like, it was a, it's kind of like a weird Doctor Who monster. And like, yep, yeah. uh-huh. Mm. It's complete with weird, wacky voice, which is why I effing <laughs> loved it. <laughs> the design, I'm, I'm fine. I love the uh, method to get out of this situation, the throw yeah. in the rock light, which we'll talk about That's later. So That's our funny. favorite. That should be a T-shirt. We'll talk about it later. Um, <laughs> yeah, I just uh, two times now, so we'll see the third time when you're when sometimes when you're expecting things, uh, the subsequent viewings you're less uh, affected by them. You know what I mean? The yeah. First, but I the first time I saw, it, I went, oh no, 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 no. It's such a yeah. it's such a prequely thing, and it's the thing you know when the prequels first came out that I struggled with of the mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the wackier part of Star Wars, and yeah. I just. So embrace it now, and I yeah. lo- that could have so easily been a a mean human with a scar on their mm-hmm. face. And I love that it was an underground den of white worms, and then the the queen has a weird voice. Oh, huh? it's very felony Clone Wars rebels. Yes, and I love, I love it. it. Yeah, and it's connected to that for sure. Yeah, definitely. It's very like old school yeah. sci fi B movie. Yeah. Like Flash Gordon would have faced that. Which monster. It, which is Star Wars to yeah. be clear. It is Star Wars. I guess. Everyone else, every other, and I love the designs. I love the hounds. All the oh, other, yeah. you know, uh, Mol, what's the name? Moloch. Moloch, yeah. Um, he's got subtitles. Everyone's got subtitles. So all of a sudden, and I was like, oh, okay, we're going, this is great. And all of a sudden, yeah. I was like, oh, I don't know what's going on. So I'm still not there on that. I might you get made there. You cranky noise with your mouth. <laughs> yeah. I love that. Yeah. Now, that actually was pretty funny. That, that was pretty funny. Yeah. But it, I guess Older it would be this, it'd be kind of, is a bigger character. Yeah. But it would be literally and figuratively. But it would be like <laughs> Return of the Jedi to me if Luke shows up or, or they show up and Jabba was like, hey, what's up? Come on in. All right. Like, give me, give me the, give me the hunties. Fair enough, fair enough. Bef- All right. Before we get entirely away from from Kira, I do just want to say one thing that I noticed about Kira that I yeah. liked, and this is very short. Yeah. That the the two times that we see her kill somebody, that she does it with their own weapon, and that's yep. like a fun mm. character moment. I like that she, you know, uses that bigger blade to actually take Dryden's smaller blade and stab him with it, mm-hmm. and then she stabs the Pike with his uh, space vape pen. <laughs> <laughs> like. Bill on that. I want to see yeah. in, in the books. I, I want to see why she prefers stabbing people with things they own. Yeah, that seems like a cool character twist. I, I do want to know. I mean, I'm, I'm curious to grab that Ray Carson book that's out now. The young Kira yeah. on oh, adventure. Right. Yeah, uh, I, I'm because I think the the this character of Kira is a great start. Yes, it's a great start. It didn't hit on all the notes though, but but that's that. So um, we we can dive into more of that stuff there. Uh, dislikes, questionable things. Uh, we're definitely going to get into. Yep, we're going to get into how. Uh, Han gets his name, but if you notice, the three of us didn't put that on the list because I think <laughs> we all like it. Jennifer, do you yeah. like it? Yeah. How he got his name? Absolutely. And it, it was a moment that I don't want to say it was like a throwaway moment. But I was like, "Ooh, this is this is a huge weight for that actor delivering that line." Yeah. <laughs> and I thought it was great. Yeah. So I, I think it has giant ramifications for this character that we all love. That I I buy in, into. I do understand 
a lot of people are like, I don't like that moment. And going into it, I think you could find audio and video recordings of me going, oh, I hope it's not a scene where someone gives him the name. Oh, I think you did say I that. did say it. Yeah. But here's and, and, and a side of how I watch Star Wars, and it's not the right way. It's how I watch it. I watch Game of Thrones this way, the same, in the same way. They put something on screen, and I just I go, okay, how does that connect to the story I love? Yeah. That's how I watch it. So I don't try to out speculate. I don't try to out guess. I just go, okay, that's what's happened because this world's real. <laughs> what does that mean? And when I really thought about it, because it is played, it's played pretty heavy. Yeah. So I get it. I get it. Um, it is this moment of it sets, it, that is the blueprint of Han. Mm-hmm. And, and the guy doesn't necessarily give him the name. It's just like the designation. And, and Han connects to that all through his life. Yeah. That's who I am. No, you're not. It is. That's yeah. how I got off this planet. That's what I am. I'm a smuggler. I'm an outlaw. I'm cool. I'm in control. No, you're not. Yeah, I am. And he and he keeps that balance his whole life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like that. I love it. I think that actor, which I, whose name I don't have memorized yet, uh, belongs in the pantheon of great imperial actors. Yeah. And yeah. he plays that, that little word sniff like <laughs> you, you can just feel like that's a person who works yeah. at a dmv you know oh, like yeah. and like the, nobody else wants to you want to come back to this world don't hear that very much yeah. i i love that it's coming from such a character who's just so dismissive and it almost has like a i'm kind of bored so i'll kind of mock you like right. the real line yeah. is as hans he takes he's in such a rush to get out of there and then he takes such a long time to respond i don't have any people yeah and that that to me is the power of the scene of like Han declaring that he doesn't have any people. Yeah. You know, because you, you, you put the threads together, the, that opening text says uh, runaways, that mm-hmm. Lady Proxima grabs runaways. So you get the impression that Han chose to leave his not great father. Yeah. That there's still a connection to his father overall, but there's something. Yeah, but that he ran away and that, that, that he kind of doesn't, he, wa- he wants Kira. He wants the adventure with Kira, but yeah. he doesn't think he needs anyone. Yeah. You know, and I think that's a power. And it's, it's just cool that it, it came from the Empire. It came from this moment of escape. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I, I actually thought, uh, yes, interesting side note. It wasn't on our list, but it might be on other people's lists. Absolutely. There was something big in this movie we want to break out, have a little conversation about. Then we'll go into major themes and ideas, and that is Maul. Not Darth. He's just Maul now. This was a big moment, a risk in a lot of ways. It was interesting. It was wonderful. It was a surprise. Oh, I had God, no yes. idea. Oof. I, I went to Sam Whitworth the, the, after I saw it, and I went, you dastardly, <laughs> oh, you scoundrel. And he's like, I've been sitting on the secret for about two years. Wow. Oh, my gosh. So, and it was he and Ray Park worked on this performance together. So it was a big out-of-left-field thing that I loved. Let's talk mall, Joseph. Yeah, yeah. In terms of calling the movie safe, I feel like this was a choice that wasn't all safe. Because I Correct. feel like, uh, obviously in order for Star Wars movies to make money, it needs to be casual fans. And I think for casual fans, the guy that Obi-Wan cut in half in, like, 1999, is that right? (laughs) What? When is this movie taking place? And I have heard people be confused about the time frame, and I think that's partially because of them all. So I think it was a risk. But damn, such a reward for fans. It worked great functionally for the movie because they had so much buildup of who is the ultimate bad. Why is it something that Han can't go up against? Why isn't it some person that Han can't just go shoot? Right. And then it's not just Maul. It's Maul exactly where he should be. His yeah. complicated uh, history, we we leave him off where the other syndicates are leaving him in that uh, Son of Dathomir comic book. Yes. Mm-hmm. That fleshes out what was going to happen in the Clone Wars. 
and I, I would recommend going and buying that. It's on. Uh, it's Marvel has released it now, so it's easier to find. Oh, they did. Yeah, because it used to be Dark Horse. Yeah, yeah. It was just. It was Dark Horse, and it was the one non-Marvel thing that they grabbed and said because it's from Clone Wars, it's canon. Canon. Uh, so we, he lost control of Black Sun and Pike. Mm-hmm. And then we have that brief bit at the beginning of the Ahsoka novel where he's making a last stand to control Mandalore yeah. and is captured on the same day the Revenge of the Sith begins right. and Anakin runs off to save uh, Palpatine. So anyway, the point is there's lots of story room to still tell there with Maul, but it makes perfect sense. That's exactly where he should be yeah. is rebuilding a criminal empire. And I, mm. I love that it wasn't Jabba. I love that it yeah, wasn't. Right. I love that Boba Fett did not show up in this movie. All right, yeah. there we go. But yeah, I loved, and you're right, this was a big risk because at least two people I know who are tremendously close to Star Wars, one of them said, do you think that they got this movie, like the tech doesn't match up to a lot of what's in Phantom Menace? And I went like, I don't know, it shouldn't. And they're like, well, this takes place before Phantom Menace, right? It's like, no. And like, well, how does Maul alive? And I went, oh, we've got to catch up on some yeah. stuff. Right. And then I got a text last night from a friend who who has seen. I, I He says, how was Maul alive? And I text back and went, ah, <laughs> you, you probably haven't watched Clone Wars or Rebels. He's like, no, I've watched Clone Wars. I didn't watch Rebels, but I've watched Clone Wars. How was Maul alive? I'm like, I, I can't help you at this point. <laughs> I don't know how to talk. Here so are eight hours of television, <laughs> yeah. a book, and five comic books. Three, four comic so, books. Jennifer, it was a big risk. It was a big risk, and it was an exciting, exciting reveal. As much as I love Jabba, I was thrilled mm-hmm. to see Maul. I like that they just referenced Jabba. Uh, yeah. But, but seeing Maul oh, yeah, yeah. makes the most sense, and it was great fa- fan service to those of us who have kept up with the Clone Wars and Rebels and, and all these other um, stories. And so, yeah. And it got me excited. Where is this going to go? I need the sequel now. I need to see Java. And okay, mm-hmm. Boba Fett, come along. Why not? Okay. <laughs> and yeah. something further? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely talk yeah. about it. Yeah. Uh, how did you both feel that we have still not made it through a Star Wars movie without a lightsaber? Oh, right. Are, yeah. you, are you okay with that? Yeah. I'm totally okay with that. Um, before seeing it uh, the second time, uh, my girlfriend goes, uh, is, is there a lightsaber in this movie? And I went... Well, you know, I, you know, I, I don't and, know. And she was like, you know, she, she loves, she takes, she's a combat sword fighter, you know, and she was just like, ah, that's disappointing. And so afterwards I was like, see, I couldn't answer because <laughs> technically there is. Yeah. <laughs> and I think Dryden Boss has hilts, lightsaber hilts on that little holocron looking thing. Oh there. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You got that Mandalorian armor. Yeah, yeah. I love the shot of the lightsaber ignited in Kira's eyes. Yeah. And you see the reflection mm-hmm. and you hear just the hint of Duel of the Fates mm-hmm. in the oh, music. Oh, I love it. Mm-hmm. John Powell's score is, oh. is, uh, is great at times there. And I actually finally heard the th- Haunt theme. It's one of my okay. one criticisms, but some of the stuff doesn't stand out to me. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, I had to buy it. And then the Haunt theme, I was like, oh, that was the theme. Okay, got it, got it, got it, got it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I love no. it. I was listening to it all Jennifer the way here. Jennifer just threw something at me. Oh, my <laughs> gosh. The Meet Han song from John Powell. I put that on. I was driving down the freeway. Let me tell you guys. I felt yeah. like I was in a land speeder. I started oh, cutting nice. people off. It was awesome. <laughs> I'm going to, yeah, I'm going to get that. I, yeah, I did. I, yeah. Just watching the movie, I didn't pick out which one is Han's theme. I didn't mm. feel like in the film it was teed up yeah. of like, here it comes. And I think it probably shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. I loved how much he made it his own. There's some great choral music uh, yes. with uh, Enfys Ness's arrival on Savarine and that old Western and that big like, oh, it's a showdown. Yeah. And I love how much he incorporated the old themes because I feel like mm-hmm. Star Wars, it's old and new. So I know some people see it as repetition and mm-hmm. let's try some new stuff. 
But to me, Star Wars is always the old and the new. Mm-hmm. And this movie is about, the, you know, it's got to fit into the galaxy. It's got to fit in the world we know. So if Han is going to do something stupid and dangerous in the Falcon, mm-hmm. I want to hear the Han does something stupid and dangerous in the Falcon music score. He, Yeah, he did uh, a great job of, of, of bringing in, because I've heard some of it having purchased it, because again, you, you can see, you can just listen to the music in your house here, you know, the, <laughs> the, 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 the asteroid, uh, yeah. all the stuff. Yeah, there's yes. a lot he pulls back. Whereas like uh, the Rogue One score had like organic manually made like uh, you know this kind of sounds here and we bring in a note here and i liked it later on more than i liked it in my first couple of viewings for this one i liked earlier on it just didn't stand out as yet but the infant's nest stuff when she arrives at that train heist that yeah. stuff's there too that choral music that choral that music. Yeah. oh you yeah. are in trouble it's yeah. infant's nest I like that. yeah <laughs> that is so Anyways, great. I, I sorry i did i i just sidetracked the mall conversation a little bit because I, I always forget to talk about the score but i'd like that's one of the things i liked about it was the duel yeah. of fates comes back in yeah clearly yeah. so i like uh, i liked the decision to bring them all it was something different something uh risky in in a in a movie that a lot of people including myself understand the the word predict- predictable and safe is around you ain't gonna predict that because i didn't <laughs> a lot of people didn't Maul, he is alive and well and it works like gold leader and red leader showing up in rogue one that's where they needed to be and should have been and that makes some sense yeah exactly. in his yeah i like that we see his robot legs and i like yes. that his dialogue his dialogue could have been cardboard you know evil yeah. but everything he's saying relates to the what we just saw and threatens what Kira's trying to do yeah. like you're gonna come to me and we're gonna guess we're gonna see if we can figure out the mystery of the accomplices yeah which and, doubles down on what I was saying oh, about yeah. what Kira is doing yeah is that's see, the point yeah, she's trying to hide Han, Han and Chewie's part of, in oh, this right. yeah you're right All you're right. very right about that yeah. that's uh yeah, yeah. point scrimshaw I'm gonna go back <laughs> I'm gonna focus on that a little bit more yeah, yeah. no and to close on the mall thing for me like yeah I, 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 in talking to Sam uh, he said that he did the vocals, Ray did the performance, but then they went back and recap, re-recorded the vocals to capture uh, the same essence. Maul had played, uh, Ray, Maul, Ray had played it different. <laughs> yeah. So it was really a collaborative performance on that's that That's so cool. Yeah, they put it together, so that's good. It's hmm. amazing. All right, well, there's, uh, as in every Star Wars movie, uh, major themes and ideas behind a lot of the things going on on screen there. And we at Force Center... Love to dive on in, particularly when Joseph Scrimshaw gets that look in his eyes. <laughs> and I saw it a few times. It wasn't just that weirdo. There's some major stuff going on behind scenes here and, and, and dialogue and plot points, Joseph. Yeah, and I feel like because it is fast-paced and it, you can just enjoy it as a fun adventure and then go drive fast, listen to the theme, and, and eat some Dairy Queen and forget about it, mm-hmm. th- that some people aren't feeling it. But to me, I think one of the things that is super resonant is the theme of freedom. Obviously, that's what Han is ultimately striving for. He has lots of different ways that he's representing that, but he truly wants freedom. Uh, I think that's Beckett and Val. I think, you know, mm-hmm. she could have been more fleshed out and we could have seen more as her as a character, but she provides these great thematic points of like, we're doing these things so we can win and we can be done mm-hmm. and we can have our freedom and you can play your Valacord, right. which mm-hmm. I think is one of the mm-hmm. best details. And then you've got Chewie, obviously, he's literally physically freed. Yeah. Then he has the turn about uh, freeing the Wookiees. That's L3's entire mission. And I think it even makes it even more sort of resonant and powerful that she already believes in droid rights, but it, it we get to see in the moment that mm-hmm. it occurs to her of like, oh, instead of just complaining about this, I could do it. Mm-hmm. I love that she discovers freedom. Yeah. When she's like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm releasing them all. <laughs> I'm so glad we took this job. Right. That's it. That's just so like that. That's what makes me feel when I watch the movie, that feeling of 
uh, freedom. And obviously that's what Enfys Nest is about, that she is trying to get, you know, the boot of the Empire off of the entire galaxy. Mm-hmm. To me, uh, that whole idea of... It t- all of that ties back to, like, Rogue One in that decision to fight, in that in this galaxy, mm. you have to fight for freedom. Mm-hmm. Or, like Lando, Han, and Kira in different ways, you just try to go along with it because you don't think you can ever be free. Mm-hmm. And it makes Han's defiance in the amount of optimism he has really powerful to me. Yeah, Jin as well, too, connects to that. Yeah, 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 because yeah, she's in a similar boat to Han. Did you guys feel that? I mean, mm-hmm. it, 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 to me, it's it, as a theme, it's it's on the surface, it's what happens in the movie mm-hmm. it yeah yeah and 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 i like the l3 stuff too the the character the, i'll tell you one of the reasons i didn't take to l3 as much i'm one of those people that if they start making the weird robots that talk to us and everything and you know universities our robot jumps and everything i'm like they have no rights i'm gonna kill them <laughs> it's a commodore 64 okay like, no. so that, uh but anyways all that jokes aside yes i think survival's a theme for me as well but it's survival how do you survive to get that freedom is is what's going on which is yeah. like why well, i do in the end really like a lot of what's going on with Infant's Nest, no matter who it is, and no matter who, who, because who, I think Infant's Nest is this name, right? More than that's the way I'm interpreting it. So that's yes. what's going on there. And then here is, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm doing this. I'm drawing it to a Young Guns 2 reference. <laughs> when, when they go, when they go uh, uh, confront Mr. Chisholm, and it's like, here's Billy the Kid, and he's got Henry, Henry William French, and Henry William French, Alan Rock is like, no, Mr. Chisholm, you took my farm. You took a lot of farms, Mr. Chisholm. That is what's Infus Ness's gang. I love the reveal. Mm-hmm. I love Warwick Davis getting his moment then, too. Yeah, hey. weasel. Yeah, <laughs> of all, it's like you, These. this is an all-star team of oppressed people, right. and we're going to do something about it, and why I say this theme is also survival to me it's like um infant's nest is is a criminal organization marauders right the cloud riders and someone was like well how they're they're how are they considered bad guys but then they're we're supposed to look at them as good guys I'm like they are surviving right. to win this freedom they're doing what they have to do they're just like saw Guerrero's partisans because yes. that's how awful the state of the galaxy is is that you mm-hmm. can't you know the government people you know the alderanians are yeah. quietly working the senate right now absolutely mm-hmm. and, and the people who have no other choice are killing cool people like cool people like rio durant because uh, they have, have to, to. Right. and at least that's their perception beckett is an example of someone who does a lot of things under the guise of i got to survive in the galaxy to get what i want and that he would have even killed han even though i believe in his heart he had an admiration and love for this kid those yes. guys like each other when han first sees han, him and, and yeah. he's that shadowy vision of what han wants to be twirling oh, yes. the blasters so great. is that great relationship i love yeah. that so this is why i love when these stories when i say the 19 years between sith and 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 new Hope are the most fascinating storytelling to me because it is the the boot of the empire is down. We have learned since. As a child, I thought the rebellion was just this army that started. You guys want to f- win a fight? Let's do it. Mm-hmm. But now the reality is it plays out over rebels, over over other materials, comics. This uh, even Doctor Affer's got some stuff. It is the rebellion would naturally come together this way with people trying to survive for their own little freedoms here and there. Yeah, and, and that's why I connected to a lot. Yeah. Uh, sorry, yeah, Mr. No. Smith goes to Washington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that they in this film they have to show the desperation and how how dire it is. I mean, in that one scene in the Coronet spaceport where we see the mother being separated from her child or her yeah. children, I, this is a dark, dark time. And so we start there with these you know orphans and these these enslaved children, mm-hmm. so that when we get to Enfys Nest at the end, we're like, yes, okay, these are the seeds of the rebellion. And, and so this works in this film, but it also works in the larger context 
of the Star Wars films. And that's what I thought this film did so well. Yeah. Is bridging bridging the gap. Yeah, that's such a great point of connecting Enfys Nest uh, in her sort of youthful organization with mm-hmm. the, you know, captured youth at the very beginning. That's right. great. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like one of the main ways that this, uh, that freedom theme is told that I thought was really interesting is just the sort of the literal visual language of light breaking through, yeah. mm. which is easy. In some ways it's obvious and other ways it's easy to overlook. I love that the literal first shot visually is Han sparking that light speeder to life. Yeah. It's mm. And he's trying to get the light going, literally. <laughs> yeah. And then it kicks in, and we're in this dark and grimy world, and then that's his first cool Han move of the movie, is, yeah. I, you know, you know, <laughs> I don't think I'm ever going to learn ridiculous ploy with the rock <laughs> in the thermal detonator, and then cracking the light onto this gross, evil thing that can't handle the light and literally burns when it's exposed to light mm-hmm. yeah. is so great. Uh, <clears throat> and then I think that uh, it, visually that's like when they're escaping the maelstrom. Mm-hmm. It's that tiny sliver of light, light outside of the darkness that Han is cocky and thinks he can get the Falcon through somehow, some way. Uh, the, 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 the the speeder chase at the beginning when they're running away to yeah. go outside, I was like, oh, oh. that's why I forgot they're inside the entire Yeah, they're inside. Right. Now it's yeah. still a little rainy, still a yeah. little dark. Yeah. And then I think the whole movie, obviously, once we get to Savarine, almost the entire third act is brighter, that, yes. which gives you that little more sense of hope. Um, but one of the biggest ones that is, it's connected to light visually, but just one of the, my absolute favorite things about the movie that I want to be sure to say is the coaxium. Mm-hmm. The hyperfuel could have easily just been MacGuffin. It right. could have just been the thing that makes the plot move. And I think it's one of the things that elevates this movie in this writing that the coaxium, this shining light, is so rich with meaning. Mm-hmm. It is what the whole gal, it's just a resource that the galaxy is fighting over. But to Han, every time he encounters it, it's hope. It's how he actually gets off of Corellia, it's how he ultimately gets the Falcon. Mm. And in particular, that Enfys Nest has that explicit conversation of, do you know what this is? And he's like, 60 million yeah. credits. Like, it's blood to build something new. <laughs> and that's that's the thing. That's like, yeah. you know, in, in some of, uh, not to be too controversial, some of the lesser Marvel movies early on, mm-hmm. the Infinity Stones are a powerful thing that the evil guy wants and right, the hero right. wants. And that could have this could have easily been a heist movie about the Star Wars version of the Maltese Falcon, a meaningless object in the fact that it's, fuel it's the economy of the galaxy and everybody who touches it it means something different to them but in some way it means either control or freedom mm. yeah I, you're absolutely right i i because it, it's 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 in the opening crawl or the non-crawl which i by the way love uh, that begins yeah it's it's there it's in, it's in all caps hyperfuel hyperfuel and it plays out very well yeah, yeah that's great i just immediately going to mimban and how dark that scene was. Yeah. It was frightening and it really yeah. shows like the perils of war. And then when he finally gets on the ship with uh with the crew, yeah. And you know, the wind is blowing in his his hair and Chewie's hair, and it's we see the light. Yeah, yeah. The, finally of Vandor. And it's yeah. still not as bright as Severine, but no. we're like yeah. building, building towards it. Uh yeah, uh, yeah in, in typical like end of second act you go even darker as you can go to the light and then mm. you know we go to Kessel which is in some ways like the darkest and the yeah most uh, awful and down and low and gross right. um, so another thing that I think is a huge theme in the movie and I think starts to unlock some of those character motivations is Val's statement that everybody needs somebody mm-hmm. is a direct contrast to Kira's everybody serves somebody right. and I feel like that is the choice that 
the characters are truly wrestling with. And I think that's what starts to bring out that to me, the movie is ultimately a love story between Han and Chewie. Yeah. Because <laughs> uh, Chewie's got that shockingly long speech where they just let him roar yeah. in Kashyyyk language. <laughs> and then what did he say? I think he said either Driver, Driver family yeah. and, and Beckett says, you know, what's the difference? Right. Yeah. Connecting that idea of, you know, whoever, whoever you find your people, they're your people. Um, Han is so struggling not to serve anyone. Mm. Yeah. Beckett and Kira have accepted that they have to serve someone. Val has this much more positive, healthy, like, no, everybody needs somebody. Right. Like, we've got this little family. I don't trust these outsiders. When this is done, Beckett and I are going to go, and he's going to try to play the Valachord, and we'll need each other. Mm -hmm. And it's also the moment where Chewie chooses Han, right? The life debt replacement uh, moment where uh, he sees that, it's that string of of needing someone that Lando goes after L3 against his instincts. Han goes after Lando and L3 against his instincts. Chewie sees that's who Han is. Yeah. Whatever else he, he blusters about, that's who he is. I need him. He needs me. And then Kira like, makes that literal by saying, you two need each other. Yeah. Which brings us all the way to that moment that makes me go, ah, oh, every time when they put their hands on the hyperspace <laughs> oh, control <laughs> t- together oh, at gosh. the end. Yeah, um, yeah. And to me, it's just, that's just one of those things that the Star Wars movies offer. They can be the, just great fun with spice smugglers and whatever. Mm-hmm. But that's a really interesting thing to think about in real life. Of like, by the, In terms of jobs, there's always a bigger fish. Yeah. Uh, everybody does serve somebody for the most part, unless you're Elon Musk. Yeah. Uh, and even then. Even then, I don't know who he's serving. Who, who is, yeah, Maul. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, but Christ. everybody also does need Someone, yeah. no one can truly make it on their own. You see a big vein star who's just like, I did this myself. I pulled myself up by the... No, you didn't. Mm-hmm. A lot of people helped you along the way. Everybody needs somebody. Yeah, I, I, I love what's going on here. This is the, the deeper stuff that is at play, even though uh, you know some of the plots, and I think it's... Um, some of my frustration with some of the criticisms is... Uh, you just you're just tossing a lot aside, and there's a lot to say in these movies. It harkens back to Raiders Lost Ark, which has this you know great adventure that Lawrence Kasdan wrote, and it has those kind of feels. But this this stuff going on, and and maybe at times, maybe it might be not heavy handed, but very direct. It's ne- it's never hand- heavy handed to me, other than maybe the Imperial officer wonderfully going eh, solo. But yeah. You know, that conversation with Beckett and Val is just direct. It's directly saying, here's what's going on. Yeah. And Han is this wide-eyed guy, Jennifer, like, yeah, I'm gonna, I, I want this job. And they're like, you know, there's other things you're going to need out here. And so I love the theories and the, and, or the, the theme here of, of connection. Yeah. And it's such a great point about this love story between Han and Chewie because Han really does need Chewie. They show it where he's, you know, trying to steal this coaxium on Kessel and he doesn't know what he's going to do. And mm-hmm. guess who comes and sa- literally saves him and mm-hmm. saves the coaxium is Chewie. Yeah. He needs Chewie to help him break out. It's this constant showing of how much Han needs Chewie. And Chewie's like, all right, uh, you know, yeah, I, I'll help you. <laughs> they have that great little conversation, too, about which one of them caused the crew to pick them up. <laughs> yeah, oh, yes. yeah, yeah, off right. of Mimban, and right. you're like it's kind of yeah, like obviously Beckett has a soft spot for Han. He sees him, mm. Han himself in Han, uh, but it's it's Rio who's like, yeah, but a Wookiee curl up <laughs> in his lap. They're yeah. so strong. <laughs> they totally picked them up because of Chewie, and yeah. like, Chewie knows it. Yeah, is right. that a Wookiee? Is that a Wookiee? A Wookiee? Oh, I yeah, that. I mean, and the idea that we have a lot of people learn in these 
specific moments. I think Lando learns when L three goes down. Mm. He learns that he he can is connected to someone else, yeah. and he kind of always felt it maybe. But he, you know, here he is. He's on his he's on the Falcon in the cockpit. Lando Calrissian, you know, video vlog going yeah. on. Here. <laughs> Hilarious. Not concerned Water. about anything else because he doesn't think he's concerned about anything. Right. Else. Han right. doesn't think he's concerned about anything else. Uh, and and Kira has this world, you know, has beat her down type of attitude, uh, which you know is it's a weird, it is a weird juxtaposition. But I think she knows too. I think she sees some hope in yeah. Han, and that's why some yeah. of those decisions drive her, I guess. Yeah, and just that great that that is who Han's character is is that he constantly lies to himself. Like he yeah. clearly needs Chewie, but he doesn't really even think of it. It's just like ah, I didn't get I didn't get to run away with Kira, mm-hmm. but he never quite clicks. But Chewie. Yeah. Holy. And, and like the idea of everybody needs somebody that the infest nest, the, the cloud riders, they needed him. Yeah. yeah. They needed him to make the right choice. And like how many X-Wings did he buy? How much of the rebellion we do we know did Han buy in this movie? Yeah. Mm. Because they needed him to do the right thing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and that's why I this um, I love stuff. The stuff going on at the end with Han and infest nest and and. and when she takes her masks off, mask off, I think it's the kind of this like, let's get real here type of thing. Yeah, and see mm-hmm. something, and then maybe see something in Han particularly. Again, she doesn't have a lot of one on one on one interaction. She knows Beckett at this point, but I think she she might see something there um, in that. But I love because Han's still not ready for it. The movie ends with Han still not ready for these connections. Yeah, he's still got to learn because she point blank is like, "Come join the rebellion, not the rebellion, yeah. a rebellion." Yeah. And he's not ready for it. And it was a key moment because even I I was watching it and I'm like, oh, wait, Han, Han's already had this emotional turn that he doesn't, he goes through again in New Hope. Then I was like, no, it's very different. It's very different because at the end, he's just like, nah, nah, I'm cool. I'm Han Solo. Yeah. I'm not there yet. And you get this sense that it's happening to him again and again where he runs into this battle between the Empire and the Rebellion and he keeps thinking he can skirt it all the way Mm -hmm. until 10 years in the future of New Hope. And I mean, what, what, sorry, Jen, uh, what makes him finally connect to it is that question Lando has in the fr- from a certain point of view book. Yeah. Like, what would make that guy finally switch to do something this big? Yeah. I don't mm. know. Yeah, and it's like you're talking about with, with him kind of idolizing Tobias Beckett from the moment that he sees him. When we get him at the end with Emphis, he calls her kid. Yes. And Beckett had been calling him. Han kid throughout the film. And this is the mm-hmm. first time where we see Han say that. And he's fully taken on this role, the, the Han Solo that we, almost the yeah. Han Solo that we know. Yeah, he's I loved that. Already, already wanting to be like, I killed this other seasoned outlaw. Now I'm the seasoned outlaw exactly. kid. Like, kid. I killed him like five <laughs> minutes ago, but now I know everything he does. Everything. Uh, right. Yeah. And I do like that they did not wink or nod, but that moment is uh, utterly built on him shooting first. Mm-hmm. I think is, is so great. That big reactions every time I've seen his Yeah, movie. and that it's like, no, that's a character. He does shoot first. That's yep. what he learned he has to do. Uh, the last uh, kind of theme or big idea I wanted to talk about uh, was all of this stuff about orphans and parents. And some of it is just who the characters are, that all these kids are orphans. They're runaways on Corellia, that that's the story of Enfys Nest. And you assume most of these other, uh, as you said, the all-star team of mm-hmm. rebellion, that they don't have anybody anymore. Uh, we have, uh, obviously, you know, uh, uh, Chewie kind of being alone. Beckett is father figure to Han. You have to imagine that Beckett has not a, a lot of uh, a family mm-hmm. connection. Um, but I particularly felt strongly about how this built up Han's penchant for orphans. Mm-hmm. Like in A New Hope, it, he's, he does want Luke to come with him. He yeah. does like Luke. 
you get the sense to me that he partially turns around for Luke to save that kid yeah. who just watched his mentor die. And really, this movie connected back to me that look that Han gives Ray when she says, I didn't know this was, there was this much green in the galaxy. It's like it, people kept thinking that was a hint that he was yeah. her father. And like, no, he just knows that feel. And now we have a movie where we got to see him feel that feel. Mm. You're 100% right. That is now an even meatier moment for me in Force Awakens because it's not some layered clue to some prediction or fan theory. Yeah. It is a character moment of Han going, I've been there. I get it. And to actually see that, you see it literally on his face like you described earlier. Yeah. That Alden plays so well. Yeah. And then the, the huge thing to me is that scene that did not need to be in the movie if it's just a fun shoot 'em up space adventure between Han and Lando about their parents. Mm, right. About yeah. Han saying, like, uh, my dad wasn't great and Lando, mine wasn't either. My, my mother was the most beautiful woman, which was a really interesting line. But then in particular that his father worked the shipyards. And there's even the implication of, like, who knows? Maybe he put some of the bolts here in yep. the Falcon, mm-hmm. which speaks, like, to me, I think that's part of the reason Han wants the Falcon. Because even though yeah. his father wasn't good, probably, and he ran away for some reason, mm-hmm. that the Falcon is a connection to his roots. It's a connection to his father. It's home. And it's all the things that Han claims he doesn't want, he can find in that cockpit. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Watching Return of the Jedi the other day again, <laughs> <laughs> and that moment with the horrible backdrop painting. It's one of the kind of a unintentional comic scene, but there's depth to Han and Lando talking about, "Hey, you, Lando, you take the Falcon. I'm going to Endor." And and Lando's like, "You sure? Because I know how much the ship means to you." Yeah. Uh, watching that moment again, post Solo Star Wars story, there's now a new layer because the ship really has. Big meaning to Han, yeah. not just because he liked it, because it was cool. It connects to his youth, connects to his fan, co- co- connects to this father thing, which was I was very surprised. Yeah, it was like interesting that the wow, I wasn't expecting. I thought he was an orphan. You yeah, know? Mm. yeah. It, it's, it's our our only parent here. <laughs> How did you feel about all of these themes of mentors and parents and orphans? I really enjoyed it, and I liked that everyone was searching for their tribe not necessarily just their family, finding, uh, you know, where they're going to belong and what's going to give them purpose. Just like we see with Ray, where yeah. she's literally looking for her family um, and that you find your family, you know, with a, a giant Wookiee. And yeah. <laughs> that's who your tribe ends up becoming. Um, I, I did see some criticism about the opening scene being very similar to Oliver Twist mm. and the whole orphan angle. Yeah. Mm. To me, I found that to be very realistic about where we are in the galaxy. So it didn't bother me. It also showed like why the, these kids would actually not that they would agree to be enslaved, but like they feel hopeless and helpless. Yeah. And so Mm -hmm. Kira and Han really stand out because they can't take it anymore. And that's where this journey Mm -hmm. begins um, and motivates these characters. So I, I didn't mind that, Everyone was an orphan. Yeah, <laughs> no, I loved it. I didn't mind and, it. And Lady Proxima holds it over them. You know, literally, Kira. Remember when we found you? And that is a very twisted maternal figure, which mm. I appreciated, and I could see how Kira uh, would feel kind of like a weird connection and like um, indebtedness to her. Mm. It's just like you know, um, what's it from Annie, Miss Hannigan? Yeah, <laughs> that mm. kind of a situation. Well, that's it, it, a great point. That really fleshes out Kira's character. Like, they, if, if Lady Proxima is kind of her mom, 
Yeah. I believe what my mom told me is everybody serves somebody and you mm-hmm. you don't fully get out of this. Yeah, you it's just, reality. You just live. You just try to survive. And, yeah, and that's I, great. I identify, I'm, I'm not much of a, of a outside-the-box rebel myself. I follow a lot of rules. <laughs> but I, I really resent the idea, uh, and I've experienced it in my life, of like, yeah, I got you that job. Mm. Don't forget. Yeah. Like, cool, cool. <laughs> now I'm going to throw a rock in a window. <laughs> you're you're going to burn. <laughs> There's yeah. going to be some burn. Yeah. yeah. I love the space Dickens because you know what Dickens, Dickens. Dickens. You know what Dickens was writing about? Mm-hmm. A giant empire that was going through a horrible industrialization and using its people to take things out of the earth so a few people could become more rich. Yeah. That's the, what's going on. That's yeah. a classic That's story the, in yeah. so many films and books. So, you know. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I know. It's, it's definitely, again, one of those things that I think is said so directly that people can can smirk at it like, oh, I get it. It's a tribe or a family. What's the difference? I've, I've, I've had people say that to my face already. Like, oh, I just right. didn't like that line. Tribe or a family. And I'm like, well, but what do you... What do you want from these movies? I want these themes. Yeah. I want to dig deep. Yeah. A horrible authoritarian government has shattered the lives of almost everyone in the galaxy. And that's yeah. it's not just like, oh, Star Wars, uh, let's check the boxes. It's found family. It's, uh, mm-hmm. it's mother and father figures. And how much do you become your parents? How much right. do you fight? It's... It's the the this great story of the empire has destroyed everything for everyone in the galaxy, mm-hmm. you know, in making it explicit that the empire's buddies with the crime syndicates because the crime syndicates get the resources from mm-hmm. the people. They steal what belongs to the people all across the galaxy. Like that's weighty and meaningful. Yeah, when Moloch uh, Moloch and his and his little uh, hounds and everything are running in, the stormtroopers are kind of like, hey, hey, and he's like, basically, like we run this place. You come here and you do a little processing, and yeah, and we'll do, you know, so you see how it's all connected. Yeah, there. and Dryden Voss killing the regional governor, and the yep. other Imperials just hanging out and partying in the next room. Yeah, like they're letting criminals make orphans of the galaxy. Yeah. And even and the orphans empire. are fighting back. Yeah, and even the empire is saying, "Be a part of something. Join our family." Yes. You know, <laughs> yes. Everyone's got to belong to someone, and if yeah. you don't want to join the empire, then you're going to join part of the criminal syndicate. You yeah. know, so you well, have no option. Well, you know what? Yeah, yeah. That's that's what it is. I think that's what this movie is on some level of like everybody serves someone, the empire, or everyone needs somebody. The the rebellion and hope. Rebellion. Mm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. That's good. It's there. The Beckett thing is. Is I, I love how it played out because we knew it was you know, it was one of the things you could write down on uh, what he's going to play his mentor and something's going to go wrong like and that and that's again another yeah. criticism I've heard from people too like ah I knew that was coming again I'm okay with these things playing out as you would expect because what does that mean to the character yeah right and I think I thought it was important to have the character of of, of Beckett I liked him yeah more. yeah and I love Woody's Woody but. Yeah, mm-hmm. but he did a great job in that one loose hair. <laughs> oh, my gosh, yes. <laughs> great yeah. character work yeah. there with that loose hair. <laughs> so th- those are my thoughts uh, so far, seeing the movie three times. I'm sure yeah. I'll come up with more over time, as there, we all will. Absolutely. There's a lot there, and I think I love diving into that stuff even more than just little bit bits and moments and scenes because uh, uh, it's it's important. that This is what George intended Star Wars to be, as yeah. we say time and time again. What do you t- what are you saying to the twelve year old on the cusp of adulthood? And and this this movie has a lot of important things to tell. Yeah, yeah. So it is there. It's also got some fun stuff, some wild capes, and 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 <laughs> my favorite Lando outfit is the 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 Jimmy Buffett Margaritaville shirt at the so end. Beautiful, love it. A lot of great stuff there. We're gonna dive into that on Force Center uh, over the next couple of weeks. You guys know it. Stick around here for more. But the one of the final questions here as we start to wrap up is. 
is, uh, do we want a sequel? Maul showing up, and what else is going on? Kira's alive. You know, a lot of us thought Kira would die. She's still good. Now she's got power. Yeah. I, yeah. No, I love. I do want a sequel. Uh, I would happily take, uh, and obviously next week we'll talk more about, you know, how the film performed at the box office and all that mm-hmm. stuff, mm-hmm. but I would love to see the further adventures of all these people. I, I would love it if it was, uh, you know, they did Ant-Man, then they did Ant-Man and Wasp. I'd be happy if it was Kira and Han, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was you know them I, I don't want han to face off against darth maul because that i think upsets no. continuity apple carts but i love this world and i would love to spend more time in it yep i love what's going on i love i love the the boot of the empire how we how we deal with that in a lot of different ways and i think these rumors of a boba fett movie these rumors of a lando movie it's not to me i don't see them yet as standalone movies yeah, a Boba Fett, a Lando movie. I see it all on this this chessboard right here. Yeah, mm-hmm. is is what I think, Jennifer. Yeah, I think that'd be a great way for us to get excited, at least for me, about a Boba Fett movie. <laughs> yeah. Have him show up in the sequel. Want to see Jabba? And I just, I love, um, I love Han and Chewie's relationship. I want to see more of it. Yeah, I want to go on another adventure with them. So mm-hmm. I'm ready. You want to see Han's first job with Jabba, right? Of yeah. I, yeah. Yes. <laughs> I, I mean, yes. I actually, I, 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 that moment when Beckett's like, find me on Tatooine. I was oh. Like, oh, I love that. That is like you said, just a pandering in the most wonderful way. Yes. Yeah. Well, and just so funny that Han's so positive about it. Like, I, this, this is going to be great. Like, oh, <laughs> oh, Han, no. Yeah. Oh, you have no yeah. idea. <laughs> uh, so any, any final little points uh, we want to put on this discussion here? Again, more to come here in Force Center, but this is our first really deep dive into it. Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we will talk about it a plenty. Uh, Jennifer, can we uh, reveal what you discovered about uh, Vat Weirdo's real name? Well, it's a. Uh, oh, yes. You Lu- made a Lulivo Primak, yes, right? Something like that. Yeah, it's difficult to pronounce, but I was I'm I will always call him a Vat Weirdo. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the song that he sings is Chicken in the Pot. However, on the soundtrack, they don't have his deep voice. Oh, it's a very high pitched voice. Interesting. Very weird. I gotta go flip some tables and rage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Regardless of the character, it's been fun to call him Vat Weirdo. I'll continue. Regardless, he's such a great funny detail. Yeah. Yeah, his real name, yeah. Lulio Primock. Yeah, which I think is a reference to the uh, old lounge singer, Louis Prima, Louis Prima. and in particular mm-hmm. that Louis Prima later in his career teamed up with Keely Smith. So mm-hmm. you got that singing duo, <laughs> yeah. the high-pitched and the, the low-pitched. There's some depth in these things, it's Joseph. everywhere. It is everywhere. Yeah. this. So more to come. We want to hear from you. We're going to be putting out calls very soon for questions about this movie. Certainly some grievances about this movie. Yep, there's going to be some discussion about that. You know what we like to do here at Force Center. We love to, to dig in find out how it matters, find out the themes and celebrate what's going on while also saying, hey, there's some things that did not work or things we have questions about. So that's going to be coming here. And I'll tell you in a second where you can find us. But first, let's not forget to recommend our audio book of the day. Joseph, we do have a choice. That's right. We recommend The Last Jedi novelization by Jason Fry. If you still haven't heard it or read it, it's got some great stuff that does connect to Solo. And I think as we're processing this movie, it's good to remember that eventually... In theory, we'll have a solo novelization that will dive into some of these uh, ideas and give us more insight the same way that Last Jedi novel did. Absolutely. Love it. So to download your free audiobook today, go to audibletrial.com slash force center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash force center for your free 
audio book. We're almost out of here, but you can reach out to us and give us your questions and grievances on Twitter at Force Center Pod. Our Facebook page is Force Center Podcast. Our website is forcecenterpod.podomatic.net. New merch is on tpublic at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. Podomatic, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. That's where you can find this podcast. And don't forget stuff that we like to do. But uh, before we do that, Joseph, uh, we are uh, we are uh, happy to announce that uh, one of our goals is uh, close to being officially completed yes. on Patreon. <laughs> yeah, so patreon.com slash Force Center. If you enjoy the podcast, you can support us. And we recently unlocked doing commentary for The Last Jedi. So we will be doing that very, very soon. We have the next goal of unlocking all of the movies. Commentary for all of them. And uh, you can go check that out at patreon.com slash Force Center. One final thing that I want to say just about our general coverage of Solo. Yeah. That uh, we will be talking about it more and there. There are so many small and interesting references that I just want to acknowledge we know that we did not talk about Yeah, even maybe a quarter of them. Yes. Yeah. Even that. Uh, what's less than a quarter? An eighth? Yeah. yeah. We know that we barely scratched the surface of references and, and we'll we'll be getting to having more fun talking about those in the future. Absolutely. Yeah, that's a good, great point. We like to dive into the themes and then we'll start having fun and then Databank Brawl, we're going to have a lot more oh, fights yes. to come here. We are out of here. Jennifer, tell them where to find you. Yeah, check out my video review on Solo, A Star Wars Story. It's at my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash user slash Jennifer Landa. Uh, you can see some of my projects and my Lando costume on <laughs> Twitter and Instagram and Facebook at Jennifer Landa. Joseph Scrimshaw. You can find me on social media, Twitter and Instagram in particular is at Joseph Scrimshaw. I've always got uh, live shows coming up. I've got my other podcast, Obsessed, and I have comedy albums you can buy. Info on all that at my website at josephscrimshaw.com. You can find me at Ken Napsuck across all social media platforms, including Twitch, where I fail nightly at Fortnite. <laughs> that is it. So for the still-named Vat Weirdo in our brain, Han Solo, Darth Maul, Maul, Lando, Kira, L3, and of course Chewy, we'll see you next time. This has been Force Center Reacts to Solo, a Star Wars story. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns.